stand for the reading of God's word. I am reading from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. My child, do not let these escape from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and prudence, and there will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you sit down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden panic or of the storm that strikes the wicked. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, friends, it is so good to be with you today. I'm Reverend Casey Orr, and we are especially grateful that you're continuing to hang in there with us through this month as our senior pastor, Dr. Davis Chapel, begins to wind down his annual study leave. This time is so good for him, and it promises to be such a gift in the end to us as he's sure to return in two weeks with a renewed energy and inspiration, ready to lead us into the next exciting season in our church's life. And I want to add my welcome to all of you today, all of you who are joining us online too, and I want to add a special welcome to all of our kids who are with us. It is so good to be with you. We are so blessed to be led by our children. Turner, what a gift you are. Thank you so much for leading us, and it's so good to see all these kids up here um, and be inspired by where we're heading, um, where we are now. We are so blessed blessed to grow in our faith alongside these little ones. Um, Today, we're continuing our five-week series for the month of July called Rest for the Stressed. Some of you are thinking, I'm not really that stressed. Well, maybe you're not. Maybe you're not that stressed, but you might be a little depressed. You might not be that easily impressed. You might have gotten yourself a little obsessed or feeling kind of oppressed or self-possessed. You're not at your best, or some of you are too tired to get dressed. (laughs) We all been there. And we all need the rest that this month of worship is calling us to. And today we turn into the Proverbs, hoping that it might be able to break through our stressed out spirits, our weary hearts, our anxious minds. And so we can mine these words of Proverbs for nuggets of wise counsel to order our steps in our lives or to needlepoint on pillows or to otherwise incorporate into our home decor. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. A cheerful heart is good medicine. That looks good on a pillow. A good name is more desirable than riches. But it does help if we know something about the book that we are mining. And so in chapter 1, verse 1, Proverbs is credited to King Solomon, known for great wisdom. But it was likely 
actually collected by a number of sages who wrote and collected this material all the way from the earliest days of the monarchy around 1000 BCE all the way to the end of the 6th century exile. And so there's no one standout author that claims the credit for all of this work. In many ways, the book of Proverbs is the work of an entire community. It's the intellectual property of a people, the wisdom legacy of the Israelites, and it was addressed to every person too. The students of the Proverbs, the students receiving the Proverbs were young people and old people, and kings and peasants and rabbis and mamas and children and shepherds constantly addressing, quote, my child. The sages were addressing all who had ears to hear. And in their generation and in every later generation that they would never even know, my child is you. My child is me. My child is the active children in our pews today. And it's the overwhelmed teenagers who are not ready to go back to school. And it is, my child is the proud grandparent and my child is the busy parents. When Ani asked if parents slept good tonight, I saw at that moment no less than three cups of coffee tipped back. So I know you didn't. I know. So these parents, we are tired, we're busy. My child wears blue collars and white collars and no collars. My child is black and brown and white. My child is every one of us. And my child is everyone we know. So for the first students of the Proverbs and for each of us, the implications of living in their way was so great. The wisdom found in the Proverbs would guide one person's steps, one person's daily steps, which impacted each relationship that they maintained, which then could benefit potentially the entire community. So wisdom is implied through all 31 chapters of Proverbs, but it is confronted, it is named in chapter three. Verses 21 and 22. My child, do not let these escape from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and prudence, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Wisdom, do not lose sight of wisdom. Keep wisdom and prudence so close to the foreground of your thinking that they become the lens through which you view the entire world. Wisdom and prudence should be your daily guide. And when they are, the benefits are so great. Wisdom and prudence lead us to a vibrant spiritual life and to steadiness and to security and to rest. Eugene Peterson in the message translation uh, names them clear thinking and common sense. We could use more of that, couldn't we? Wisdom and prudence, clear thinking and common sense. So the time that I have spent, you know, bathing in this call to wisdom has actually made me recoil just a little bit at the places where I have seen it most absent. I've been a little bit more disappointed in my own uneven temperament. I've been a little more exhausted by internal denominational division and the choice not to assume the best in one another. And most of all, I have just been kind of gutted by the 24-hour news cycle. 
absent of clear thinking and common sense. This has to be the least wise, least prudent frontier in our culture. And yet, it probably has the most profound influence on our individual and communal psyche. If not cable news, then podcasts that we choose to listen to. If not podcasts, then social media feeds that are scrolling before us. If not that, then someone just caught our ear. who's just mad about something. If wisdom and prudence are to be the way of our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ, then how? How can we keep returning to cable news? How do we keep listening to people screaming empty accusations about their opponents? How can we watch someone turn red in the face as they jump to conclusions always assuming the worst in another child of God? The only tone is fear and anxiety. The only emotions are anger and disgust. The only call to action is boycott and cancel. It is hostility and hatred and horror and injustice, constant name calling and finger pointing, bigot, woke, racist, snowflake. Did you see what Target did? But what about Jason Aldean? But Biden, but Trump, but Libs, but the GOP, but Bud Light, but the Supreme Court. Oh my gosh, enough. Enough. At this point, everything is something. And so nothing is anything. Because frankly, everything just can't be something. And everyone who is different than us is not a threat to us. And everything we disagree with isn't a reason to rage. We have got to calm down. I just want to know what's going on without being told to be angry about it. I just want to be informed, but not so influenced. At this point, we can't even measure the depth to which this has changed us, the depth to which it is impacting our children, the depth to which it has transformed our communities. I can assure you that when the Proverbs calls us to wisdom and prudence, that this is not it. I can say with total confidence that the wisdom called for by the sages of the Proverbs is simply not found in any reach, in any corner of cable news. But I'm going to tell you, because I owe it to you, where Proverbs wisdom is. I've told you where it isn't. I've been quite clear about that, but I ought to tell you where it is. I suspect you inherently know what it looks like to be a wise person. I have been blessed to know and love so many wise people. I've been pastored and mentored and nurtured and taught by my own sages, and I trust that you have too. You have their faces in your minds. And as I was thinking about them, I realized that I don't actually consider them wise because of a set of knowledge that they have, not just because they're so smart. Their wisdom isn't really a skill that they have, it's an art. It is the art of living well, of living thoughtfully and carefully and gently, the art of trusting Jesus completely. It's the art of living unhurried, I thought about what I see in all of them, things that they all share, and this is some of what I came up with. They offer really sound advice when they're asked. They learn from mistakes and they learn from their failures. 
They know that they don't know it all, and they're okay with that. They consider different perspectives and they're willing to compromise. They do not jump to conclusions about people. They're comfortable with change and they embrace uncertainty. They spend more time looking inward than they do judging other people. And all of them, every one of them, has a great sense of humor. When I think about the wise people in my life, my heart rate slows down. I feel it in this very moment, my heart rate slowing down thinking about my sages. I feel calmer, I feel gratitude, I feel hopeful, I feel capable, I feel Christ's love. And I will be better, I will walk steadier, I will sleep sounder if I keep the good wisdom and prudence of my sages always in my sight. So I think about the sound, and steady advice that I receive from my dad when I really can't make sense of anything. I think about Howard Olds, who led this church with love and peace and hope through his own illness and weakness and exhaustion. I think about the deep humility of Bishop Pennell, whose influence is literally all over this church in the sanctuary that we sit and he dares to trust us to lead it. I think about Dr. Laura Brantley, whose presence is simply calm and whose purpose is listening and understanding. I think of sweet Miss Cece Hammond at our ELC who makes every single child feel so special and so safe by giving her full attention, her full presence to all of them. I think about my best friend, Dr. Lamar Smith, a retired United Methodist pastor who at 96 years old is still embracing his changing church and world. I think about my mentor, Dr. Kenda Dean, who leads with joy and who takes ministry and education so seriously without taking herself seriously at all. You have been shaped by wise people. You know what it looks like to keep wisdom and prudence in front of you because it has been modeled for you too. But the work that we're being called to do in this proverb, it's ongoing. It doesn't stop after we've identified what wisdom is and who we know that embodies it. We have to practice. We have to develop the art of living well in ourselves. We have to become and remain open to wisdom we have to be diligent in the effort, diligent because there are plenty of voices that are going to try to distract us, unwise and imprudent voices ready to pull us off course. We can't let wisdom and prudence out of our sight even for a moment because they take so long to gain and they can be lost so quickly. Wisdom is applied and practiced over a lifetime. Verse 23 and 24, then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble if you sit down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. When we are walking too far outside wisdom and prudence, sleep is sure to be elusive. I do want to tell you today about the least wise, least prudent, most chaotic, 18 months of my entire life. And it all started the day my son was born. 
seven and a half years ago, James was a preemie. He was born at 33 weeks and he was discharged from the NICU after two and a half weeks. And so, as a first time parent, I went home and not only did I not know what I was doing at all, but I also had postpartum anxiety. Didn't know that was a thing, it's a thing. And I also blamed every single little off thing uh, going on with him to his prematurity, but I was proud of him and every little bit of growth was very exciting. And so I did the thing that people do. I posted an update on Facebook every month of his life on the 9th, a little picture about his development and progress, his likes, his dislikes. Well, his likes, they changed. As he grew, his, his, his loves, his likes, the things he enjoyed changed. But there was one constant every month. Every month for 18 months, I'm gonna repeat that, 18 months, dislikes, sleep. <laughs> didn't like it. Didn't, didn't like falling asleep. Didn't like being told it was time to go to sleep. Didn't like staying asleep. Didn't like sleeping naps. Uh, didn't like for his parents to sleep. D didn't like sleep. Not interested, unimpressed. And every month, I'd post this little post, something like this. Every month, a veteran educator in the congregation that I was serving in Fort Worth, Texas, she would comment on, on this post. I knew it was coming every month, and she would say, Miss Kathy, she would say, you need to call Jessica. She used to teach with me. She's a developmental specialist and a mom, including twins. And every month, I looked at Kathy's sweet comment, well-meaning comment, and I said, nope, he's just a preemie. It'll get better. It'll definitely get better. I can figure this out. Alert, it did not get better. I did not figure it out. It took forever to get James to sleep. Every night, this brutal grind, tagging in and out, me and Michael just seeing who could maybe get it to happen this night, every night. And once he was asleep, peace didn't last long. He was up five, six times every night. Again, 18 months every night. So at 18 months old, I called Kathy and I said, um, I need Jessica's number. Uh, so Jessica is the living angel behind Sleep Happy Consulting. I called her, talked to her for about 15 minutes, and we agreed to go big. She would come to the house and assess our home and our routine, and she'd get to know James, and then she'd create a personalized plan with us. And then for 10 days, she'd be on call from six o'clock in the morning to 10.30 at night, texting in real time to coach us on what we needed to do to get this kid to sleep. <laughs> and I was so nervous before she came to our home, but I trusted Kathy, and Kathy trusted Jessica, so I just had to believe that this was gonna be fine, it was gonna be worth it. I went into it knowing that some things were probably going to be corrected. She was gonna notice things that we could adjust to do a little better to help James sleep well, for us to sleep well. And it turns out that the list of things that we were doing wrong was literally everything we were doing. <laughs> We needed to flip-flop his bath with dinner, which seems so counterintuitive to put a toddler's bath before dinner, but it turns out that the bath was overstimulating him and he was getting wound up before bed. And then we needed to take all of those interactive electronic toys just out of his room altogether. They couldn't even be in there. And we needed to actually remove those from the last hour of play before bed. 
And then we had to put little tiny pieces of electrical, black electrical tape over every little shred of light. Every little power light in the whole room had to go. And then, um, this is embarrassing, we needed to start bedtime 90 minutes earlier than we were every night. We needed to flex his bedtime based on when he woke up from his nap at school each day, and we needed to do some quiet uh, sensory exercises in his room before bed. This was a science and it was an art. And so the first day, Michael and I followed her instructions perfectly, like (laughs) perfectly. We were skeptical but we were hopeful, thinking at least we have 10 days uh, to kind of figure this out, make at least a little progress. Well, my friends, on night one, James went to bed at the time that she instructed us to have him go to bed, and then he woke up 12 hours later. (laughs) So, um, 12 hours later, And from that night forward, second night, same story, 12 hours. From that night forward, every night, James went to sleep and he stayed asleep until it was time to get up, until it was time for his body to get up, until he was fully rested, until he had truly enjoyed sweet dreams. James's life began so much sooner than it was supposed to. I was frenzied. I was a frenzied mom when he was born. I was scared. And then I was terrified while he was in the NICU. And then I was anxious when he came home. And then for 18 months, I operated with not a shred of clear thinking. No common sense. Wisdom and prudence so far from my sight that I could not reason. I couldn't accept or tolerate that I just needed to pick up the phone and call someone who could help me. But a sleep sage named Jessica broke through and she checked every box of a person who is walking in wisdom. Jessica entered our home a guest and offered welcomed advice. She led with her own missteps as a mom. She listened to us and she got to know James. She made adjustments to her method to suit our family's needs. She was calm when nap times changed and we needed to redirect things. She corrected us with gentleness rather than judgment, which she would have been in her right to do. And best of all, Jessica was oozing with joy and optimism from the very beginning, delighting in James and what she knew that child was capable of. Jessica's goal, is to make happy sleepers. Her goal is to get babies to sleep happy so that mommies and daddies can sleep happy so that families can thrive. But it's not just the sleep consulting that leads to happy sleep. It's her temperament. It's her wisdom. It's her presence. It's her peace. It's contagious. And so then it becomes our temperament. It became our wisdom. It became our presence. It became our peace with James at bedtime. It's not what she does or what she knows. It's not just her credentials or her connections. James learned to sleep happy because of the way Jessica was, because of who she was, because of her confidence and her joy and her contagious energy that left no room for stress or anxiety. She planted these seeds of wisdom and prudence in me and Michael as parents. Then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you sit down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. 
Happy sleep is not the goal of only babies and young parents. It is the goal for every single one of us. And it comes when we keep our eyes on wisdom and on prudence, on clear thinking, on common sense. Happy sleep comes when you walk securely in the way of the wise sages of your life. It is God's hope too that you sleep happy and you will. You will as you grow in the ways of wisdom and prudence. So take the time to offer sound advice when it's asked for. You will sleep happy. Learn from your mistakes and your failures. It's okay. You'll sleep happy. Appreciate that you don't know it all. You will sleep happy. Be open and curious about new perspectives and choose to compromise. You'll sleep happy. Understand people before jumping to conclusions about them. You will sleep so happy. Approach change with hope and optimism. You'll sleep happy. Look inward more and judge others less. You'll sleep happy. Be an agent of joy and delight and good humor in your world. You will sleep happy. And for God's sake, turn off the news and you will sleep happy. You will sleep happy when you keep wisdom and prudence in your sight. You will sleep happy when wisdom and prudence lead your internal life and your communal life. And you'll sleep happy when wisdom and prudence lead you to the feet of God, your creator, Jesus, your savior, Holy Spirit, your comforter. Our diligent practice of wisdom is also about how we approach God. And so, I wanna leave you with a prayer that could start your every day. Ani gave you one to finish every day. I'm gonna give you one to start every day. To order your first steps each morning in wisdom and in prudence. This is called a liturgy for the ritual of morning coffee. Even if you're not a coffee drinker, I promise this is for you. It's from a book called Every Moment Holy uh, by Douglas Kane McKelvey. So receive this prayer. Meet me, O Christ, in the stillness of morning. Move me, O Spirit, to quiet my heart. Mend me, O Father, from yesterday's harms. From the discords of yesterday, resurrect my peace. From the discouragements of yesterday, resurrect my hope. From the weariness of yesterday, resurrect my strength. From the doubts of yesterday, resurrect my faith. From the wounds of yesterday, resurrect my love. Let me enter this new day, aware of my need and awake to your grace, O Lord, amen. We invite God to meet us and to move us and to mend us each morning. We focus on wisdom and prudence to lead us and guide us and change us each day. And we are sure to sleep happy each night in the full peace and presence of God who loves us and knows us and never gives up on us. Amen.